Hello again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 8 of the Chronicles of Clan Mason. Now, this is the last of the Chronicles of Clan Mason, it's technically official. The last real chapter being the Freedom Day chapter, which is basically a Christmas chapter. So I'm not going to do that one just this time because it kind of feels like it's the wrong time of year to put something like that out. So... I'll probably hold on to that one till Christmas itself and probably do it round about then if I do a new Christmas chapter. So this was going to be the last one of these. Next week I'm going to start, well, if I'm not moving, well, probably will be moving home next week. So trying to get everything all wrapped up and sorted on those fronts. Those of you that are in my Discord will obviously know about these events. So just for everybody else that isn't, I'm going to be moving home in the next week or so. So... Next week, there might not be any stories written or podcasts because, you know, given that this is the sixth time I've moved home, it's pretty stressful and getting everything packed up is kind of kind of drained me and I really won't be asked to do eight to ten hours of writing a day after doing all of that. So I might be radio silent for a little bit. But once that's all done and all up and running, I will be getting back to it as normal and, you know, regularly scheduled programming and all that. It'll be running then Radiance and Hybrid Wars as the podcasts. So you'll have Hybrid Wars to enjoy starting up. And let's be fair, there's plenty of chapters of that for me to go through, given that it's an ongoing story. So it should be fine. I mean, probably catch up, considering I'm running them every fortnight in time with Storm Rider. So I may catch up with the live chapters. Take a while, though, fortunately. So, as always, if you like, share, subscribe to this wherever you can. If you can leave me feedback, either fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, nosnobodyit.com, it's always well appreciated. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it, it's all fanfiction. I just keep the Huntresses to myself. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 8 Stargazer. Grace was completely and utterly in her oils, an alien world filled with all new species and flora, for a biologist and xenobiologist like herself to study and catalogue. Granted, she didn't exactly have a lab to work with, but Chuck and Tick let her use the facilities aboard the grounded ships, where she could use the sensors and various computer technology to note her findings down. Though, in all honesty, it was just good to be able to move around again freely, without the fear that her shadow was going to morph into a blood-blood warrior and just kill her. Though Tick Elleth had warned her that there were plenty of dangerous animals on this planet that wouldn't hesitate to kill her if she, were, if she went either unarmed or unescorted into the woods, or the jungles, onto the plains, or anywhere else for that matter, which she understood as a biologist she knew all too well the power of nature when you took the chains off. So Jack assigned a guard for her when she wanted to venture into the field to do her studies. She was surprised by how many of them did so willingly, without any kind of argument or complaint. Back on Earth, whenever she'd had to have an armed escort to do field studies, the mercenaries or soldiers always seemed to be disgruntled, or like the worth was beneath them somehow. But here, everyone was just so friendly and happy. It's more like a giant family than a fledgling society, with everyone helping each other easily. She also took silent notes and observations on the interpersonal relationships she saw blooming among the people of Clan Mason. 
The Yujuta females seem to be uh, rather sexually aggressive and dominant, to say the least. But that wasn't to say that they didn't respect the human males they were chasing. In fact, that was pretty far from the truth. It was obvious that they utterly adored them and were going to extreme lengths to impress them just to get the chance to be their suitors. She found it fascinating, as it seemed to be the almost mirror opposite to how Earth's gender politics worked. But from what she saw, when the female obtained her male, it wasn't like she totally dominated him or wore the trousers, so to speak, but rather treated him as her exact equal, a partner in all things. The xenomorphs, on the other hand, were an even more interesting bunch. Despite their obvious size and power, the queens were models of gentleness around both the humans and Yejuta, though from what she observed, the queens only seemed to be interested in the humans, a fact that was confirmed when the months ticked by, when the three queens paired off with hum- three human males they referred to as their kings. The clan built her a lovely little house, and became half lab, half home to her, and despite her, her best with what she had, Felt like her kind, she felt like she could do more. So she went to Jack and Tick to get permission to set up a proper lab. As she sat there in their living room, marvelling at all the trophies that decorated the walls, everything from polished skulls to teeth and claws of all shapes and sizes, not to mention weapons, their whole house was like an armoury. Tick brought Grace and Jack a cup of amazing tea that they made here. Jack had told her proudly that Tick herself grew the leaves as well as picked and dried them. Thank you, Grand Matriarch, she said, accepting the ceramic cup and taking a sip of the sweet tea, and Tick smiled in that unusual way that her kind did by drawing up her mandibles, which gave her face an almost scrunched-up, pinched kind of look. She dropped into the seat next to Jack and leaned on him. One thing that Grace had observed was that Yujuta females were very, very possessive of their claimed male. They seemed to display a kind of guarding behaviour. Maybe in Yejuta society itself, females fought over males. Or maybe their birth rates made them competitive. Or maybe it was a throwback to their ancestral past. It was fascinating either way. And just one of the many, many things she wished to study while here. Tick wrapped her arms around Jack and leaned herself against him. And he regarded her with those incredibly sharp blue eyes of his. It was almost like they seemed to glow with a kind of inner light. His kind called themselves dream warriors, and they were incredibly powerful beings. Both Jack and his son Ryan were among their number, and given how she'd seen with her own eyes how powerful they were, and could be when they wanted to be, only a fool would disrespect them. So, Grace, how can we help you? Jack asked, taking a sip from his tea before pausing to kiss his wife's mandibles gently in thanks. She purred softly and extended her mandibles to stroke his face. One thing that Grace had observed that all Yejuta females seemed to share is that they were totally and utterly unashamed when it came to expressing their love for their chosen male. No matter where they were or who they were with, public displays of affection were an absolute norm here. Though, whether it was simply out of love or a signal to all other females that this was a claimed male was a matter for debate, though who she would debate it with was yet another question to be asked. I need a lab. I want to really study this place and all the things in it. I've been doing what I can with what you've already given me and I am immeasurably grateful for it. But I want to be useful to the clan. 
I'm not a warrior like the rest of you. I'm a scientist. I need to research and to study. But I need a place in order to do it. A place dedicated to it, she said, and tick-clicked her mandibles in a way that she knew to be thoughtful. You could always ask Citrus and Yoshi if you could join their hive. They're turning the place into a place of engineering and study. I'm sure if you asked they'd let you join. Could probably use your expertise, to be fair. They, though they may very well ask you to help them grow their number, Jack said. Grace cocked her head curiously. Grow their number how, exactly? she asked. The Xenos are born to a parasitic implantation, and the Xeno grows inside you, taking on both the characteristics from you and its parent species. The queens are all asking for volunteers to help them grow their hives. Now, normally this process is lethal to the host, as the implanted Xeno bursts its way out through the chest when fully matured. Not pretty, trust me. But fortunately for the people here... And the Xenos, here, believe me when I say, none of the queens wish to see a single hair on a single head harmed. They use you to have extensive experience when dealing with their species, given that we've just, they've hunted them for generations. A process that has earned them their full-blooded status, a rite of passage, if you will. One that is utterly and completely banned here. They are our brothers and sisters and never to be mistreated. They are free Xenos and under our protection. What I'm saying is this. We have the medical technology in the ship's medical base to be able to extract the Xenos from their hosts without a risk to either. So, the Xenos, for the first time in their history, get to have a relationship not only with their queens and siblings, but with their surrogate parent as well. Wins all around. Because all three queens have told me the same thing independently that it is a Zeno's greatest sorrow that the birth ends the life of the one who brings them into the world, Jack said. Grace was thoughtful at this. So if I do this for them, they'd let me into their hive? She asked, and Jack nodded. To them, you'd be family, because one of them is born of you. But all the queens have quite clearly stated to me in no uncertain terms that they will never push this on anyone. It's a choice, nothing more, no obligation and no pressure. Jack said, and Grace nodded. His words had given her a sense of security and safety, and she nodded at this. Thank you both. I'll head over to their new hive tomorrow and speak to them, Grace said as she finished her tea before rising to her feet and shaking both of their hands in thanks, and then finally making her way across the small town to the little cabin she called home. Jack was already talking about expanding it and bringing in fresh blood to the place. More humans who met a very strict criteria. This would help alleviate some of the problems like there not being enough of them to go around for all the human-loving aliens that they now seem to be growing a surplus of. Grace looked out at the large conical-shaped biological structure that was Citrus and Yoshi's hive. It was truly incredible how fast she'd constructed the thing. Grace had sat on a little wooden stool taking notes and sketches, not to mention voice notes as she'd watched the huge queen scurrying around moulding and shaping the place. It was a huge structure made from some sort of bioorganic resin and polymer. She'd been meaning to get a closer look and to take a look at the stuff. The stuff was truly and utterly incredible, both durable, weatherproof, and she'd watched her secrete it and form it. Though not close enough to see how or where from, but once dry the stuff was completely waterproof, having endured the rainstorms that got around you with absolutely zero effect.
That night, she had some nervous dreams. Some excited the prospect of being becoming a mother of sorts. The other were not so pleasant, with images of a baby Zeno bursting out of her chest. But the call of the scientist won over her fees. So, after a hearty breakfast, Grace made her way over to the huge conical-shaped hive of Citrus and Yoshi. She couldn't exactly find anywhere to knock for a huge door, like structure to which Surprise swung inwards easily as soon as he touched it. This was truly incredible stuff. The place was kind of like a maze, with lots of winding tunnels and passages that were made pretty much entirely out of earthworks and the polymer that was surprisingly soft underfoot, kind of like soft plastic. Hello? Grace called out repeatedly as she walked. Can I help you? A feminine voice suddenly hissed out of nowhere, making Grace nearly jump out of her skin, and she whirled around on the spot to find the giant xenomorph queen had seemingly materialised out of thin air right behind her. She truly towered over her, but she didn't seem threatening somehow. Ah, yes. My name is Grace Osborne. Grand Patriarch Jack and Grand Matriarch Tickell have sent me here, you see. I'm a scientist, a biologist and xenobiologist, specialising in non-humanoid life. They told me yourself and your king are turning your hive into a place of engineering and scientific study, and if I was willing to help you, that you might be willing to help me by giving me a place to work in your hive. Grace said, and the big queen let out a soft hiss, moving closer as if to inspect her. She was truly an incredible specimen. It's okay, my love, I know her. She was on the reserve planet with me. Yoshi's voice suddenly rang out, and he appeared out of one of the side tunnels. She turned to look at the small Japanese man who just beamed at her. It's good to see you, Yoshi. It's been a while, Grace said, hugging him as he got close, and he smiled at her. Well, me and my beauty queen here have been very busy, as I'm sure you can tell, he said as Citrus slid up behind him and embraced him with the smaller arms that seemed to be mounted to her chest. I can see that. This place is truly incredible, Grace said, and Citrus hissed happily, obviously pleased at her assessment of their home. Thank you, yes, my beauty queen is very proud of it, and rightly so. She's built us quite a little castle here, a place that we are going to dedicate to scientific and engineering arts and pursuits. It's going to be a place of knowledge and learning that will not only benefit the entire clan, but all of us, and maybe even beyond that too place where problems come to be solved and questions come to be answered, Yoshi said proudly, and Grace felt her heart soar like a bird on a breeze. Yes, that's exactly the place I'm looking for. If you would permit it, I would very much like to become a part of this place. I'm willing to pay your bittance if need be. Jack and Tick said that if you need help bringing your offspring into the world, given how the way Xenomorphs reproduce... I'm un I am willing to go undergo the procedure to help, if need be, Grace said, and Citrus actually looked surprised. Seriously? You would help me bring our children into this world? Just to be a part of our hive? She asked curiously, and Grace nodded. Yes, Jack and Tick assured me that the procedure is completely safe, and there'd be no risk to me or the fetus with the technology we have on hand. So yes, I'm more than willing to do this for you so that I too will have a place in this world, a place that I can feel and be useful, Grace said, and to her amazed Citrus stepped forward and picked her up in the biggest hug she'd ever received in her life. Thank you, young human. Thank you. You have no idea what those words mean to us, to me. Of course, 
we will have a place for you here. You will send us, help us shape young minds new to explore new things. You will help us learn and discover beautiful and brilliant new things. Our family will grow and you will be a part of it. A family within a family that is Clan Mason, Citrus said, and Grace smiled at this. So, um, how does this work exactly? Grace asked, looking at them when she got put down. Oh, don't worry, we've worked out all the details, and we've got the process down to a T already. You'll be unconscious during the implantation, as it is kind of unpleasant, and we do not wish you to experience any fear whatsoever. We do not wish this experience to be tainted for you in any way. We want it to be as something as beautiful for you as it is for us. So that you will look on the offspring that you bring into this world with nothing but love, as any parent would. No resentment or fear, just love, Yoshi said. Are you going to undergo it too then? Grace asked, and Yoshi beamed at her and pointed. See, my beauty queen told you she was sharp. Yes, I will be right alongside you as the first batch of Mayan citrus children brought into this world, along with a few other volunteers who have, like yourself, so very kindly decided to take this step with us, Yoshi said. This made Grace feel a hell of a lot better that she wouldn't be doing this alone. So, when are we doing this? Grace asked. Well, the sooner the better. Should be able to get everyone together for tomorrow. I'll let Tick and Jack know, and they'll prep the med base. You will be in the be in the med bay the entire time under very close observation, so there'll be nothing to worry about. Zeno's grow incredibly quickly. So you'll be in there for just over a day, and then once the time comes, the child will be extracted, and your body will be lasered up, and you'll be as good as new, Yoshi said calmly, and with a smile on his face. Just out of curiosity, how is the embryo implanted exactly? Grace said, the scientist getting the better of her, and Yoshi nodded. I figured you'd ask. My love, she said, and turning to smile at Citrus, who turned out and held her hand out to the floor. Out of nowhere, a small little creature that looked like a cross between a hand and a spider, but with a long tail scurried out of the shadows and climbed straight into the Queen's palm before she lifted it for it to see. We call them facehuggers or implanters. Don't be afraid. They are 100% obedient to their Queen. They act only on instructions. Oh, she said, as Grace leaned in to peer at the small creature, which sat in its queen's palm, coiling its tail around her wrist. I guess I don't need to ask the ex exact method of implantation now, do I? Grace said, and Citrus chuckled. I wouldn't. It's not exactly pleasant. Not lethal by a long shot. But the after results are, she said, and Grace nodded. It is the greatest shame in a good Zeno's life that our birth kills the one who carries us. It is the hardest pain to carry, knowing that your life cost the life of another. And good Zeno is while we know we had no choice but to be born the way we are. Always honour and pay homage to the one who gave their life for us. When I got you, I saw how life could be and what good people truly were. And I swore that my hive would not be born of a single death. Not a single one of a single sentient being would be laid on the ground because of one of my sons or daughters being born, Citrus said defiantly. This made Grace feel a hell of a lot better about the whole thing, and she left the hive with a surprising spring in her step. This was a xenobiologist's dream, 
a direct chance to not only study an alien life form's growth cycle from birth, but also be to be a direct part of their life. Though how much would be utterly fascinating for her to study? One fairly excited and sleepless nater, Yoshi and Citrus came to collect her from her home. There were nine other volunteers with them, five humans, her making six and four Yejuta, who were proud to do their part, not only for their clan, but to show their dedication to making up to the Xenos for their past. The group met Jack and Tick at one of the ships. They had been prepped for this. The medbay had been prepped to make them comfortable during the procedure. Okay, guys, one last chance to back out here. In the sense of pure fairness to all involved, and I utterly understand that all of you approached Citrus and Yoshi, but in this clan, equality and fairness is true key. So, if anyone's having second thoughts, please speak up now. No one will think less of you. Both Citrus and Yoshi want their children born of full, equal and love and respect, so there's no pleasure. Jack said, and everyone, including Grace, said they were fine and actually kind of excited to be a f- part of the first Xeno births on this world because they were helping to grow the clan. This response made both Citrus and Yoshi so incredibly happy. Yoshi actually looked tearful and so, so grateful to everyone. And Citrus actually had to cuddle the emotional Japanese man in her arms to steady him and support him, which actually made all of the gathered group so absolutely proud to be a part of this important moment with them okay then guys let's get this show on the road shall we all volunteers head into that room there and get changed into the surgical gowns and put your clothes in the locker girls to the left guys to the right and to the usual girls no sneaking into the guys changing room to sneak a peek earn it it's not free tick will be watching jack said with a playful grin which tick echoed as the three usual girls in the crowd grumbled as Grace was the only female human in the group. Which she thought was kind of odd, and she figured that maybe the guys kind of wanted to know what it was like to carry a baby, which, in her opinion, was rather an enlightened attitude. Grace went into the narrow changing room and found herself a locker with her name stenciled on it, and she began to undress, and instantly she became aware of the Ejuta girls all watching her. "'Something wrong, ladies?' she asked as she placed her cardigan and blouse into a locker before removing her bra. The three girls looked down at their own bodies and then back at her. The shortest one of the three was eight and a half feet tall and built like she lived in a gym. People pranked her by, and then people who were there around her pranked her by replacing her water bottle with liquid steroids. No problem. Sorry, we were just comparing and wondering how the males of your species look when naked. Your skin looks so soft. Do the males have soft skin too? The tallest of the group asked. She was red and orange, flecked skin that kind of made Grace think of an autumn painting, like the colours leaves go when they're ready to fall. Yeah, I guess so. Males tend to have more body hair than females, though. It does tend to vary from individual to individual. Most females of my kind don't long body hair for ourselves, so we shave wax or strip it off. Males tend to not bother. As many of the females of our kind like body hairs, it tends to look more manly and masculine. But softness-wise, yeah, I guess the skin's about the same, if it isn't treated with moisturiser, Grace said, putting the bathroom lobe-like on surgical gown on. They all made thoughtful clicking noises. Your males have hair on their bodies as well as on their heads, 
the shortest of the three, whose body looked like someone had painted a picture in a snowstorm on a night of a bodybuilder, said. Grace nodded. All humans do. It's just thinner and less pronounced on females than on our males. It's a throwback to our primate ancestors who had fur to keep us warm. Now it's kind of more of a vanity or fashion and comfort thing. I don't like body hairs. I find it really itchy. So I actually just strip it. But I know that it doesn't bother most males. Take Jack, for instance. I know he had kind of thick body hairs. I've seen him working at that forge of his in their garden. And given how hot it is, he doesn't tend to wear his shirt. How he hasn't burnt half of it off with those coals glowing like that, I don't know, Grace said. And as one three shooter girls made a purring clicking noise. You're so lucky. We've all tried to sneak a peek at our grand patriarch, but we've had to run when our grand matriarch so nearly caught us. She is so lucky. She has herself a prime slab of human beef and a dream warrior to boot. Just walking around is enough to get a girl's mandibles clicking. And oh, when he bends down and stretches himself out, it's just so hard not to purr right there and then. The middle one, who had skin like a golden summer glow, said. Grace couldn't help but smile at this, and how utterly doe-eyed the three of them seemed to look. Blatantly envisioning Jack caked in sweat working at his blacksmith forge, looking like he was in a Jutta Curls equivalent of a giant coke advert. In fact, Grace had to try her hardest not to giggle, as she had the instant mental image of all these three girls decked out in their battle armour in the middle of a vicious hunt or battle, only for him, for them all to pause in place and watch Jack leaning back shirtless and wipe a cold can across his forehead while they were all holding their prey, which for some reason was also watching them, in the middle of being killed or skinned for some reason. Don't worry, girls. I'm sure there's a human boy out there just for you, waiting for his huntress to hunt and catch him, Grace said, smiling at them, earning three bright and hopeful smiles in return. Um... Do you have any pointers on how to appeal to a woman male? The largest of the three asked, looking surprisingly embarrassed and nervous, and this made Grace smile. Honey, I can tell you every cell, every bone and every part of the human, human body to the literal nth degree, but each soul is different as its owner. Just be yourself and don't be too aggressive with them. Be confident. Oh, and get to know them. Don't assume every human is the same. We all like different things, so talk to them. Just remember, all the boys here are receptive to alien advances, or they wouldn't be here now, would they? Grace said with a smile, and she finished up doing her gown. All of them smiled and nodded at her. Thank you, woman. That makes us feel so much better, the shortest one said, and Grace gave her at least solid armour pat as she walked past and back into the operation room. Grace couldn't deny that she felt rather nervous and somewhat scared, as she was guided to lay down on the bio-bed, Jack appeared above her. Don't worry, Grace, you won't feel a thing. Just go to sleep like this and wake up a mum-to-be, he said softly. There was something about the man, whether it was his persona or whether it was something to do with the dream warrior side about him. He just couldn't help but feel calm and relaxed around him. He just oozed confidence, and it was somewhat contagious. Grace relaxed and accepted the shot to her neck from the hypo that Jack was holding, and pretty soon he put on a gas mixture that robbed her body of its strength. It seemed to literally turn her muscles to lead, and before she knew it, the world was ink black. Waking up, Grace felt like she had a head full of rocks with a fire in her throat. 
Here we go. Number five waking up. Jack's gravelly voice said from somewhere over her head. Mmm, you have such a nice voice. You can read me the dictionary any day, Grace slurred, her head all muggy and fluffy like it was filled with clouds or cotton wool. From above her, she heard an angry growl somewhere. Easy, my love. She's doped and doesn't know what she's saying, Jack said soothingly and softly. She's the fourth one to say something like that. And one of them asked you if you were a woman angel come to take her away. Tick snarled angrily from somewhere. Easy, my love. And if I am an angel, then you're the only one who gets to stroke my wings. You know that. Jack replied playfully. Damn right I am. Tick growled possessively. Well, good news is the implantation took with all of them. With zero issues. Got to admit, I'm glad we put them under. That was damn disturbing to watch. To undergo it would have been bloody horrible, Jack said. I agree. I can fully understand how the implementation of my children would be a horrible experience for the host. I dream of the day where it's no longer necessary for it to be this way, Citra said from somewhere close by. Don't you worry, my big love. The day will come and we will both be there to welcome it with open arms, Yoshi said. Grace's thoughts and feelings began to swim up from the swamp like water the depths of her mind as the drugs began to wear off. Ugh, she groaned lower than she would have liked. See? Sounds like she's coming back, Jack said, and Grace lifted her head up to see them both standing over her along with Yoshi and Citrus. Monitors were beeping all around her and a scanner screen next to her seemed to be displaying a wireframe of a human body, obviously hers. In the chest cavity, there was a small shape that kind of looked like a cross between a fish and a bogey. Is the baby all right? Grace asked, and Jack handed her a cup of water that seemed to have been tinged with electrolyte powder. It tasted vaguely of oranges. Yashi tapped the monitor and zoomed in, and the fish bogey became a yellow glowing baby xenomorph, sat right there in the centre of her chest, just below her heart was obviously using the oxygen being fed right from her heart to grow rapidly on the rich blood. As she saw it, she actually felt it moving, twisting inside her. It felt odd, kind of like a slimy eel twisting in her guts. She looks absolutely fine, very healthy indeed, Citra said proudly as she leaned her large head down to look at her screen. It's a girl? Grace asked and Citrus nodded her very large head. Yes, we are going to have a daughter, Citra said with a smile. Don't worry, Grace. You're not going to have to wait nine months for her to be born. Zeno's grow incredibly fast to full maturity. So by this time tomorrow, we'll have a healthy baby Zeno. And the day after, she'll be pretty much fully grown, Yoshi said. Grace was utterly amazed by this. Two days from contraception to basically adulthood. That was truly amazing. The ten volunteers spent the day watching the monitors they were all hooked up to and chatting on how amazing it was to not only see the new life growing inside them, but how quickly they grew. Out of the ten, only one of them was carrying a boy, and it was the tallest of the Yajuta girls, so nine daughters and one son. Even on the scans, you could see the little mandibles the baby Zeno had flexing and contracting. I can hear them. They call out to me, Citrus said softly as she looked at the scans. Grace looked up from her notes at the monitor. She couldn't believe how much the embryo she carried had grown in just the day that she'd been hooked up. But now she saw part of the reason why they insisted on keeping them in the bio beds with nutrient drips hooked up to them. 
The little Xenos required so much nutrition to grow so quickly that it made her feel rather weak. But the drips balanced everything out, making sure the surrogate and the baby remained healthy. It balanced for both of them. Grace felt a few twitches in her chest and rather uncomfortable pulsing. Instantly the monitors began to bleep loudly and all gathered around, turned to look, and then went off, another one off and then another. Time to put them all under, Jack said calmly, and Grace felt tick press and hypo against her neck. See you in a few hours, she said, and with that everything faded rapidly to black. The loud rhythmic beeping of the monitor faded into her mind and helped to guide her back out of the blackness again. When she woke, Grace looked around, feeling rather confused. She looked at the ten beds ranged in a circle, but now there was something different about them. For one moment, her foggy mind refused to see it, but then it cleared up. At the end of each of the beds was a little crib-like bed, with a yellow fluffy blanket, and each of them wrapped up in those blankets was a little baby Zeno. Citrus noticed that when she woke up and stepped up to her. "'Would you like to meet her? Our daughter?' She asked softly, her voice hissing. Grace nodded, and Citrus scooped the swaddled little blanket out of the crib and held it out to her. Upon taking it, Grace instantly saw her. A baby Zeno, about the size of a human baby now. Her long spindly arms and legs coiled up in her tail, and she seemed to have her inner mouth around her thumb. She's beautiful, Grace said, feeling an overwhelming rush of emotion. It wasn't her mating that created her, but it was her body that brought her into this world and gave her an immense feeling and sense of pride and well-being. Have you given her a name yet? Grace asked, and she gently stroked the little domed head of the baby Zeno, who gently fussed before going back to sleep again. No, I rather thought that you'd like to do that, as you're the one responsible for her being here, Citrus said. Grace felt a rush of pride and joy again at this. Abigail. I'll call her Abigail, after my mother, Grace said without a second's hesitation. It had always been her plan to call her firstborn daughter after a deceased mother, who she'd lost to cancer when she was only eight. It's a beautiful name. And don't worry, Grace. I know she will, she has loved every moment of every day. She is the first xenomorph child born on this world, and the willingness of each and every one of you to help me, no, help us, bring our family into this world and to bring them to life humbles me beyond words. You asked me for a place in my hive, and now it is yours. You are as much my family now as she is, Citrus said, sounding like she was choking back tears. Grace felt exactly the same way, and handing back little Abigail to her true mother, as she patted the big queen's hand and arm. Thank you, Citrus. You have no idea what this means to me. I promise that your hive will become the place of learning and knowledge that you and your, your hive will do great things for this clan and will be a symbol of what good and free Xenos can achieve. I swear it to you, Grace said. It's our hive now, Citrus said with a smile. And with that she placed baby Abigail back into her little crib and began checking on the others. They'd been right about how fast baby Xenos grew to full maturity. In just a single day from when she'd been transferred from her bio bed to her new home within Citrus and Yoshi's hive, she watched baby Abigail grow from an infant to a full adult. Grace's price in the new hive was rather lovely and all her belongings had been transferred as well. She had a rather lovely little room, 
it was like kind of like an apartment made from polymer resin. She was the only one of the ten who had chosen to live in the hive, but all the other nine swore that they would be a part of their surrogate children's lives, as they all felt they had something to teach and offer them. Thanks to the complex way the Xeno hive mind worked, baby Abigail had gained all her queen's knowledge and understanding. It was part of their growing process from the moment they'd been extracted to the moment she performed her final shed and became full size. She'd been linked to her queen, and the knowledge had flown into her mind as if nutrients had flown in like they had from Grace's body while she'd been growing inside her. Abigail was as curious about everything as the human woman who brought her into the world. She wanted so very much to learn and understand everything she could. It was a true pride and joy for both Grace. Hey, Mom, check this out, Abigail said, appearing in Grace's apartment and making her nearly jump out of her skin, nearly sending the tablet she was working on skittering off the desk. Damn it, Abby. How many times do I have to tell you humans can't hear like you guys can? Grace grumbled as she heard her daughter sniggering behind her. Sorry, Mum, but you have no idea how funny the faces you pull are when you get taken by surprise. Abigail hissed, with a very obvious smile on her face. One of these days, I'll get your king to tune one of those Yajuta hunting cloaks so you lot can see it, can't see it and I'm just going to scare the crap out of you, Grace said. She took the pad from her obviously excited daughter who was waving at her. Oh yeah, I'm sure Zex will love to get his mandibles into a project like that now, wouldn't he? Abigail hissed playfully and Grace felt herself flush. I, I wouldn't know. Grace stammered and Abigail grinned at her. Course you wouldn't, Mom. It's not like you spend your entire lunch break every day praying to the gods that his overalls either become see-through or mysteriously mal- malfunction and all fall off. You know... You don't have to feel weird about liking him. He's not related to you in any way. I know you humans have hang-ups about certain things, but you don't have to link to him. He has done nothing to you, so there really wouldn't be any issue here, would there? Abigail said as Grace tried to focus on the complex equations in front of her. I don't know. We just feel weird, you know? He's your brother, so in a way I kind of feel like I'm his stepmom. Grace said in a very soft voice, and Abigail chuckled. All this time living in a Xeno hive, and you still don't really get us, do you? She said, and Grace scowled at her. Abigail twinged at that. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean because I'm linked to my queen, and linked to him via our queen, and our inception, you are not. Biologically, anyway. And if this cradle-robbing thing that I've heard humans speak about... You know better than anyone that Xenos don't age like your kind. It took me just two days to look like this, and I'll still look like this when I'm a thousand years old. Well, unless I become a Praetorian, anyway. So you could date him and know what would bat an eyelid. Well, metaphorically, anyway, Abigail said. I don't know, Abby. I mean, sure he's the cutest thing on two legs, but aren't I a little old for him? Grace said, donning her be- doing her best to evade the question. There you go again, Mum, thinking about things like a human. He's not a human, Mum. He's a Xeno. And as hard as we're working here to give these human gifts, he's still going to be a Xeno after all said and done. Age is pretty much irrelevant to us, Abigail said. Hmm, we'll see, Grace said, using her own dodge to to shut down the conversation again. Wait a moment. Wait a moment. Look right here. 
We extract these base pairs and adjust this acid, Grace said, drawing on her daughter's pad before handing it back to Abigail, who looked at it before her mouth dropped open. Mom, that's it. This will give every single Xeno reproductive organs just like a human, Abigail exclaimed excitedly. Grace grinned at her. This takes the gene that allows the Queen Xeno of the evolved genus to mate with any species and combining it with a bit of human DNA will alter the genes of every Xeno here, even those born of Yajuta. It'll give them reproductive organs of their own, Grace said. But they won't be still fully active yet. According to what I'm seeing here, this will only allow males to reproduce with other species, Abigail said, sounding a little deflated. Grace placed her hand on her surrogate daughter's shoulders. It's a step forward, Abby, and a bloody big one. This proves what we've been saying all along, that non-parasitic contracep- uh, conception and fertilisation is not only possible but fully doable, she said. Abigail smiled again and nodded her face, looking determined again. We'll do this, Mom. just you watch, she said, and Grace hugged her surrogate daughter, who was easily a foot taller than she was. That's my girl. Now, let's get these results down to the lab and start testing. We should send over to Cortez and Zara's hive as well. Have them double-check it. They're the experts on this stuff, Grace said, and the pair headed down to the bustling labs. Citrus and Yoshi's hive had, in the last couple of years that she'd lived here, turned into a beacon of knowledge that Citrus and Yoshi had dreamed of. After 10,000 humans had been brought here direct from Earth, and more Yajuta had followed the path of Tick, and had found their way to the world. More and more volunteers had become available, and added more and more genes to the ever-growing pool. It had given them such focus and knowledge, and a pool of knowledge to draw from. Grace and Yoshi weren't the only humans that lived in the hive now, and every single one of the ones that did had at least one surrogate son or daughter running around in here. There were Xenos of all shapes and sizes running about, dressed in either engineers' overalls or scientist-style lab coats, there were weird and wonderful machines being built, experiments being run, or Xenos arguing with both other Xenos, humans, or Yajuta over equations drawn on whiteboards. To Grace, it was paradise. She and Abigail entered their section of what kind of looked like a giant beehive, with all the little cells being different labs. Instantly, her team turned to look. Her team was pretty much all Xeno, and only Grace herself and a large Yajuta male were the only non-Xenos in the team. Stood next to the Yajuta was a female Predalien, dressed in her engineer overalls. Here, I finished those equations you needed. Hope they help. The Yajuta, who was called Samanthral, who everyone just called Sam, said. Thanks, Patriarch. This'll help a ton. I'll see you at home tonight, female Predalien said, patting her surrogate father's shoulder and taking the pad before heading to the door. Hello, Dr. Grace, she said as she passed her. Hey, Lessa, Grace said as the huge bred alien girl walked past. The bred aliens were a subgenus of the xenomorphs born from end plantation into a Yajuta host, and there were quite a few of them in Yoshi and Citrus's hive now. Not as many as the evolved genus born from humans, but no less important. All right, people, we've had a bit of a breakthrough. Let's crunch these numbers and go over these equations, Grace said, bringing up Abigail's work on the main screen, and they all gathered around to look, and there were hisses and clicks of excitement and amazement. 
the whole group began working with the new equations and the numbers checked out. Grace contacted Zara and Cortez's hive and linked them in directly onto it. They seemed to have a handle on everything medical over there, and Zara's sons and daughters were all expert doctors and medics, so it only made sense to group them in and get their expertise working. Grace's dream went into overdrive, as this was breakthrough was far more the most important thing for the Xenomorph people, as it freed them from their dependence on other races, and would finally put them on equal footing with everyone else. As she was buried in her notes, an utterly distracted large shadow fell over her, and Grace glanced up to find herself staring at a broad overall-covered chest, which she managed to drag her eyes away from to find a truly beautiful and handsome face looking down at her, and smiling at her with her oh-so-pretty mandibles. "'Hello, Zex. What can I do for you?' Grace stammered in surprise at the incredibly handsome male pred alien, who was beaming at her so innocently. Oh, how could this pretty male have absolutely no clue how truly stunning he was? He had all the best parts of both Zeno's and Yajuta crammed into that beautiful body of his. He was built like Mr. Freaking Universe, muscles like a Yajuta bodybuilder with the grace and litheness of a Zeno. He had a tail oh so long and luscious that it gave a girl every kind of snake fantasy you could imagine. Add on top of that a face that had the absolute best of both. He was like a pred-alien male model, and the absolute best part was he seemed to have absolutely no clue about it. He was just such a nice, polite and gentle person as you could ever wish to meet, and would go to the end of the earth to just help someone out. In short, he was true perfection personified. He was the son of the tallest of the Yajuda girls that was with her that day, when her surrogate daughter was born, which also meant that Zex had also inherited its surrogate mother's skin tone, which gave him the skin this delicious rich red, orange and black swirl pattern to it. Hello, Doctor. Abigail told me that there was a project you thought that you'd like me to help you out with, Zex said, smiling so innocent that Grace just wanted to kiss the manables right off his sweet, handsome face. Grace leaned her head and saw her surrogate daughter grinning sweetly before miming someone kissing before something rather more lurid behind Zex's back, making Grace flush, without even thinking because she was so flustered. Do you think it's possible to adapt Yuzhu to hunting cloaks so Zenos can't see through them? She said, Zex being sweet and innocent, he took her seriously. Hmm, you know, that's a rather good idea. Some of the guys in the engineering sector have been toying with the idea of upgrading our current cloaking tech, but that's a fantastic idea. Using Xenocyte as the basis could probably crack a sonar on Sonic defeating cloaking system as well. Oh, that's brilliant. Grace, I could kiss you. I'd have never thought of that, Zex said. Oh, you surely should, Abigail said suddenly, and Zex turned to find her standing there. He looked utterly confused. Huh? He said... Kiss her, I mean. I mean, what better thing could there be to make a pretty woman's day than getting a kiss from a guy she thinks is basically beauty personified, right? Abigail said with such sweetness in her voice that it almost disarmed Grace's utter shock at having her secret feelings out into the man of her dreams. Zex looked absolutely stunned. You think I'm handsome? He stammered, looking rather flustered as he turned back to look at Grace, who was feeling just as flustered. Zeno... 
She thinks you're gorgeous. Can you smell her mating pheromones? Abigail said sweetly before Grace could speak. And Zex took a deep breath and his face looked even more stunned. And now looked lost, like he didn't know what to do. I, uh, um, uh, I should go, Zex said before literally fleeing the lab, taking Grace's hopes of what felt like the last of her dignity with him. Grace was absolutely furious, mostly out of embarrassment. Why the hell did you do that? She yelled at Abigail, who looked absolutely stunned and taken aback, both by Zex's quick exit, and now even more so to her surrogate mother's anger. I... I was just trying to give him a shove. I didn't think he'd react like that, Abigail exclaimed. How else do you expect him to react? You put him and me on the bloody spot and you had no right to do that, Grace snarled angrily as her embarrassment flared like hot fire in her chest and her skin. She felt truly mortified. Abigail looked shocked and lost. She'd never heard her mother raise her voice or even get angry at a person. She'd seen her lose her temper at failed experiments or corrupted data, but never at a person, let alone her. I... I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't think... Abigail began and Grace cut her off. No, you got that fucking right. You had no idea to do that. You had no right to do that to him or to me. What were you thinking? Me to just swoon and fall into his arms and for him to carry me off into the fucking sunset? This is not one of those fucking romance novels you and all the other bloody Zeno girls seem to love writing, reading by that fucking stupid bloody ghost somebody guy. This is real life, Grace snarled angrily. It's ghost na- Abigail began, but Grace cut her off. I don't fucking care, Grace snarled. I- I'll go and find Zex and apologise, Abigail said in a small voice, hanging her head in shame. Don't you fucking dare. You've done enough damage, just bloody well leave it alone, Grace said as her embarrassment hit his peak and she turned to her second in command who was trying to look as busy as possible, as was everyone else in the lab, not to be drawn in. I'm heading out for a bit, Jara. You're in charge, Grace said, and with that she stripped off her isolation gear and stormed off to find a hole to crawl into that wasn't the hive. Grace had never felt so embarrassed in her life, and tears streamed from her eyes as she stormed out of the hive and headed up to the edge of the forest area, where she found an actual hole, or rather a foxhole, a small dip in the floor, and she sat in it and drew her knees up to her chest and just cried. The worst part for Grace was she'd actually began to believe that some kind of relationship for her had been possible. But seeing the look of pure shock on Zex's handsome face at the mere suggestion of kissing her, how could she have been so fucking stupid? Who in the name of hell would want her? Socially awkward, absolutely clueless in regards to the opposite sex, easily embarrassed, the actual template for the geek girl prototype. Literally the furthest thing in the world from what guys actually wanted, obviously. She felt so fucking stupid as had ever believed that there could have been a glimmer of a chance that a man like him would look at someone like her. About an hour later, Grace heard heavy footsteps, and she poked her head up out of the hole to find Citrus and Lara, who was Zex's surrogate mother along with her human mate standing there looking down at her. See, what did I tell you? Never in a question a huntress when it comes to hunting prey, Lara said triumphantly. 
Out of nowhere, Citrus rushed up and plucked Grace from the hall and hugged her tightly to her chest. Oh, Grace, I was so worried about you, the big queen said. I, I'm fine, Grace said a little shakily as Citrus put her back down again. Abigail told me what happened and she's distraught. She thinks she pushed you away from the hive because of what she did, Citrus said and Grace sighed and shook her head. It's fine, my queen, honestly. I was just embarrassed and needed to get out there and collect my thoughts. I'm sorry if I worried everyone, she replied. Honestly, we're just happy you're okay, Citrus said. May I ask you something, Grace? Lara said, stepping forward. Grace turned to her and nodded. Do you truly have feelings for my surrogate son? Lara asked very bluntly, as, as they usually to tend to do. Grace took a deep breath to dodge it, but then realised that this woman had come out here to search for her, for the reason that she was worried that she might be hurt. She at the very least deserved to know the truth. Yes, I know I shouldn't because he's like family to me, and he's so young. But yes, I do. I can't help it. He's the most beautiful male I've ever seen. But don't worry, I'm not going to pursue him as, Grace said before Lara cut her off. Why not? Lara said, taking Grace aback. Huh? she asked confused. Why aren't you going to pursue him? If you like him, you should make your feelings known. And stand tall and proud and make your heart clear and true. Let him decide what he wants. Let her not help to raise a coward and I will be talking to him about it. If a female tells her his heart, he should pay her the same respect and tell her his. Whether it be acceptance or rejection, this is the Yejuta way. A thing that you yourself reminded me of when you told me that day in the ship not to give up on my hunt. That one day I would find my and claim my prey, and you were right. Here he stands, right at my side, as proud to be caught as I am to catch him, Lara said. Grace looked totally stunned. Oh, no, it's okay. I don't want to cause him any trouble or embarrassment, Grace said, and now Citra stepped in. You know I can feel his heart, right? as I can with all my children. I won't dishonour him by telling you the depths of his heart, but I will tell you you're not fighting a losing battle. Zex is just a shy boy. He has absolutely no clue how handsome he is. He's convinced himself that he's ugly somehow. So this is exactly what you both need, she said. Grace was utterly stunned, but before she could open her mouth, Zlara chimed in again. And do not fear about any anger from me. I personally believe that you'd be a very good fit and mate for my surrogate son, because I know you will treat him like he is your treasure and cherish him, she said. She had never heard something so beautiful in her life, and it brought tears to her eyes. Truly? was all she could say, and the elder Yejuta female smiled softly, as did Citrus. Yes, Grace, truly, she said and one by one Grace hugged them all, including Lara's lifemate, thanking them all for their amazing words and believing in her. But she also asked them one thing, to promise not to put any pressure on him, as she didn't want any relationship that might bloom between them to have any kind of taint of pressure from anyone. She wanted it to be his choice, pure and simple, and they all agreed to this. When Citrus and Grace arrived back at the hive, all the Xenos who had been out searching were already back, because Citrus had called them and told them that she'd been found and was safe and sound. Abigail was waiting for them at the entrance, and before anyone could speak, she flew at Grace and threw her arms around her. 
Oh, Mom, I'm so, so sorry. Please don't leave. Please. The young Zeno wailed, hugging her tightly and doing that Zeno version of crying that they did. It seemed to happen just inside their heads. Grace hugged her back and began gently stroking the back of, her, of the sobbing little Zeno's domed head. There, there. Don't cry, little one. It's all right, she whispered softly. Abigail lifted her head to look into her mother's face. I'm sorry, Mum. I didn't mean to make you embarrassed or hurt you. I just want you to be happy. I see how much you like Zex, and I see how shy you both are, and I just wanted you to be happy together. He's a super nice and gentle guy, and I know you'd make him happy, but I didn't want you to feel bad and uncomfortable. Abigail sobbed. It's all right, little one. I didn't mean to fly off the handle at you. I was just embarrassed at having my heart outed like that. But in all honesty, I do think that I truly needed the push you gave me. Otherwise, I don't think I'd have the courage or the heart to do what I'm about to do. But before I do, I want you to know that I forgive you, and I thank you. You are the best daughter that a mother could ever truly wish for. You make me and our hive proud, and I know your queen is proud of you too. Grace said with Citrus nodding enthusiastically in the background behind her. After Grace let go of Abigail, she drew herself up, taking a few deep breaths and then marching back into the hive. Abigail went to say something, but a quiet command from her queen stopped her. Up a level, in the storage, farts. Citrus called after her, and Grace gave her a silent wave and a thumbs up as she marched on like a woman on a mission. Which, to be fair, was exactly what she was. She was a woman on the mission of her heart. Zex was exactly where Citrus had said he was. In one of the rooms of the engineering ke teams kept rows and rows of their surplus parts for the projects. As he heard her enter, he turned around and instantly looked embarrassed and blushing. Oh, oh, hi, Grace, he stammered, and Grace wondered if she should rethink this. But no, she had to make sure, at the very least, she had to make sure the air between them was clear. Hi there, Zex. I'm glad I found you. Look... I wanted to apologise that my daughter put you on the spot like that. She didn't mean to make you feel embarrassed or in any way bad about yourself. That wasn't her intention. But at the same time, I do believe you deserve the truth. So, here goes. Yes, she's right. I like you. Like, really like you. You're basically the most beautiful male I've ever seen of any species in my life. I would very much like to have a relationship with you. But obviously I do not want you to feel pressured or put on the spot at all. So I'll simply take my leave now and simply give you your space and time to think. If you think you could find it in yourself to give me a chance to prove myself, then you can come and find me at any time. But if it isn't something that you'd like or want, then there will be no hard feelings at all. I just don't want things to be awkward between either us, you or between my daughter too. Grace said. Zex looked absolutely amazed, and Grace took this as her cue to leave. But before she could fully turn away, Zex grabbed her arm and turned her back. And before she could say a word, he clamped her face in his mandibles and gave her the deepest kiss of her life. It was a little sloppy and uncoordinated, but this was due to, obviously, his inexperience. But it was obvious that he was trying his hardest to show her his heart without having to use any words. Just like every other Zeno, that he had that second tongue that had a, set, a little mouth on it 
and his, as his mandible gripped her head, she felt his lips touch hers, and they were so very warm and soft. She felt his inner mouth kiss her lips as well, before it wormed its way into her mouth. As they parted, the feel of his hot flesh inside her mouth, and the slightly sweet taste of his saliva made Grace whimper slightly, as she was overcome by joy and emotion. All this time, believing that there was no one for her, and he'd been living right under her nose the entire time. She ran her own tongue over his much bigger one that was filling her mouth. When they parted, Zex contracted his mandibles again and looked at her. She could see a slight tremble shaking in his predlocks, showing just how nervous he truly was, and it was truly adorable. Did I do it right? He stammered softly, and Grace reached up and cupped his beautiful face in her hands. You did wonderful, sweetheart, and I can't think of a better way to make your feelings known either, Grace said a little breathlessly as she held herself upright. As she did feel a little wobbly on her rubber band-like legs now, thanks to this beautiful male-bred alien. I, I think you're the most beautiful female I have ever seen. I know you helped to raise me, but I can't stop thinking about you. Every time I get near you, my heart pounds like a hammer on an anvil. Every time you smile at me, I feel like I'm floating on air. I know I'm young, but if you want me, Grace, I promise I will do everything in my power to make you as happy as you deserve to be. I swear it to you, Zek said, his voice soft and nervous. Grace thought it was absolutely adorable and amazing to see such a powerful and amazing creature such as him so nervous and humbled by her. But she didn't want to rob him of his strength. She wanted to become his strength, to prop him up, to make him feel like there was nothing that he couldn't achieve if he set that beautiful mind of his to it. But she also wanted him to become her strength, to feel those huge, powerful arms around her, protecting her from all harm, to make her feel safer than she ever had been. And to be fair, she was about as safe as she could get being a family member of a Zeno in a hive that was part of Clan Mason. It didn't really get much safer. She couldn't help it. She slipped forward and wrapped her arms around his waist and onto his back. And she grasped, he gasped in a mixture of joy and contentment as she felt those huge muscle arms of his wrapped around her and hold her tightly against him. She had never liked bodybuilders. She liked her men to have brains, not brawn. But this beautiful male right here was a perfect blend of both. As sharp as a scalpel and as strong as a yajuta. But he was also so incredibly gentle and humble. There was no cockiness to this beautiful male. She felt him sigh happily as she hugged him. If you will be mine, Zex, then I will be yours, Grace said, looking up at him, a beautiful face of his lit up so brightly. Tru truly? You'll truly be mine? he exclaimed, and she smiled and reached up to stroke the soft hide of his face. Oh, my sweet boy, I'm already yours. All you have to do is say yes to being mine, she whispered softly, kissing one of the most sensitive predlocks, and he made a soft murring noise and nodded. I am yours, and no one else's grace, for life, he said, and she beamed from ear to ear. She reached down and took his hand in hers before turning and leading him towards the door. Where, where are we going? he asked oh so innocently, and his question made her heart skip a beat, but also a smile. We're going back to my room, because tonight I'm going to make you from a boy into a man, she said in a soft smile, and she felt him cock his head. I don't understand, 
he said again so innocently. You will, my sweet one, and I promise you, we won't take any steps you're not ready for. If you don't want to do something, or you aren't ready, all you have to do is say so, okay? She said, turning and stroking his face softly. And he nodded, obviously still not understanding. Sharp as he was, it was obvious that he didn't understand matters of the heart fully yet. But with a gentle little tender loving guidance, he soon would. She led him by the hand through the hive until she arrived at her quarters. As she entered, she found Abigail waiting for her, looking both hopeful and nervous. That was until she saw Zex following the surrogate mother, being led inside by the hand, and it all vanished and was replaced by a broad smile. I'm uh, going out for a bit, Mum. I'll see you later, Abigail said with a sly smile. And as she passed him by, she greeted Zex with a warm smile and a wave. And just like that, she was gone, and they had the place all to themselves. Would you like to have something to drink? I have this wonderful whiskey that Monty's been helping Jack brew that they're calling Dreamwalker. It's very smooth, but it has quite a kick to it, she said, and Zex nodded, so she poured them both a glass of the amber liquid and handed it to him. Before he could drink it, she led him into her bedroom and closed the door behind them both. Zex looked around and looked a little confused and a little nervous. Grace moved over to the bed and sat down before patting the bed next to her. The big predalien male walked over and sat on the bed next to her. He was nervously fidgeting and playing with his hands, playing over the glass before he lifted it and took a deep swallow of the amber liquid, copying her as she did the same. The liquid burned a little on the way down, but as it was in her belly it spread a glowing warmth outwards, like having a miniature sunrise in your stomach. Then she looked up at Zex and he looked so nervous. Hey, sweet one. You don't have to be scared here, okay? You don't have to be scared of me, she said, resting her hand on top of his. She was no expert in this by any means, but compared to him, she was. But then if he wanted to, he could tap into the hive mind and learn all that he needed to. It's like a data archive for Xenos, with the queen being at the centre of it like a living supercomputer. I, I'm not scared of you, Grace. I'm scared I'll disappoint you. He said softly and she felt her heart freeze like it had just been squeezed. This beautiful male was just so gentle and sweet. Oh, sweetheart, look at me. Look at me, she said, turning his big head to face her. And as she did, she stroked his face. You don't have to worry about a single thing, OK? You are absolutely perfect the way you are. And I already love you. Our next step is to be will be taken together and we'll go as slow as we need to baby steps if we need to I don't want you to feel uncomfortable for a single second and if it does happen you tell me right away and we'll stop no disappointment, no worries because all I want for you is for you to be happy and for you to know that you make me happy, okay she said softly and he nodded before placing his glass down on her bedside table and then embracing her. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so, so much, he said, his voice breaking softly, and she hugged him tightly against her. She leaned up and very gently guided his face down to hers, relishing the feel of his hot breath washing over her skin. He obviously felt where she was going with this, and with this move, and he opened his mandibles for her. But rather than plunge right in, she took her time. She wanted to relax him and herself. 
She was no expert at this by any means, but she was no virgin either, so she planned on using that heads-up in that experience for his benefit. She was going to soothe his worries and calm his fears. So instead of plunging right in, she very slowly kissed along each finger like mandible, stopping very gently to suck on the tooth like tip at the end, end of each one, and she felt a little shiver passing through him. He extended his long inner mouth, and she was gently plastering kisses all over her face while she did it, making her shiver too. She felt the heat rising in her, only this time it wasn't coming from her stomach or from the whiskey. Her loins were burning up. This was going to be her first time with a non-human, and she realised something. This was meant to be. It was like a mixture of fate and destiny. She'd been waiting all this time for the one perfect being to step in her life and steal her very heart and soul from her. And here it was, about as non-human as it got. Grace lifted her hands up and slowly touched his broad, ripped chest through his overalls. His pectoral muscle felt so solid she could have done her ironing on them. This was the part of his yujuta makeup. He literally never saw a fat or skinny yujuta. It was like they came out of the womb pumping iron. Now normally she didn't exactly go for guys like that. She, w- she was absolutely opposed to muscle heads. But with him, it was different. He didn't work out to look like this. It was all natural. The only muscle he flexed was the one on the inside of his skull. But she had to admit this time she was so incredibly happy. Though honestly she wouldn't have cared what he looked like. He was truly perfect in every way. Strong, yet tender. Smart, yet humble. Beautiful, yet totally unaware of it. He was the most wonderful mixture of exquisite contrasts, and she wanted every single inch of him. Slowly she began to unzip his overalls, and very slowly slipped her hands on the inside of it, onto his super smooth hide. Like all Zenos, his skin was as smooth as glass. Even though it looked as colourful and rough as a yujuta's, it wasn't at all. But oh god was it so beautifully warm. Hard, chiselled muscle beneath glass smooth soft hide. She felt him shiver and release a very soft gasp. This was obviously the first time that someone had touched him like this. Does that feel nice, sweetheart? She murmured, kissing the side of his head and he nodded. Yes, he gasped and she smiled. Don't be afraid, my sweet one. You can touch me too if you want. She purred softly in his ear. She wanted to give him the confidence he deserved. His fingers trembled slightly as he began to strip off her cardigan, which meant that she had to take her hands off him, a little begrudgingly. But now she was down to her blouse and blah. Two layers to go. His fingers trembled even more as he undid the buttons and while she lowered the zip of his overalls right to his waist, revealing the solid pattern hide underneath it. Oh, now she had to hold herself back so hard, but she wanted slow and steady, so rather than plunging her hands into the open gap and revealing his skin, she instead began to peel his overalls off him slowly, as he peeled her blows off her, one layer left on her upper half. That's when she felt him touch her skin for the first time, and oh boy did it send tingles and shocks throughout her. It lit her nerves up like a lightning storm, her hands sliding slowly up from her hips up her flanks, 
slipping slowly behind her, where it reached her bra clasp. He hit the time-weathered challenge that all teenage boys and men are like. How exactly do you undo a bra? She felt his fingers slowly and clumsily tugging at the clasp, and it made her chuckle a bit that that swift engineer mind got it, and with a flick of those long fingers her breast fell free as the bra fell away. Now Grace wasn't exactly heavily stacked, especially not one compared to like the Yujuta girls, but she wasn't ashamed of what she had. Though she would have, she would admit she kind of was nervous to see whether he'd like them or not. But the way his big hands slid around them and utterly smothered them, she seemed to, and the explosion of tingles that began to turn her brain into mush told her as much. Grace quickly peeled his overalls and his underwear off before she lost control of herself, forcing him to let her half leck over her breasts for a moment while she worked. But then those hands on those long arms found their way back onto her sensitive flesh as she moved around him, still sat on the bed before him. Oh God, he was beautiful. You're exquisite, sex, she breathed as her eyes drank in every inch of his front. Those impossibly solid legs like camouflage tree trunks, his narrow but solid waist, those rippling abdominal muscles up onto those slab-like pecs, right up to his solid neck and oh-so-pretty face. He looked so nervous and so delightfully shy. If Zeno's could blush, he probably would have been bright crimson right about now. You really think so? he asked softly. She stepped forward and took his head in her hands and pulled him into the deepest kiss of her life this time pushing her tongue into his mouth and tasting every single inch of his inner mouth in its natural habitat. He made a soft little whimper noise that sent a thrill down her spine like an electric current. Yes, I do, she whispered, as she released him before taking his hands and placing them on her waist. Your turn now, she said softly. Zex got what she meant and he slowly and gently unbuckled her trousers before hooking his thumbs in and showing off that incredible xenoflexibility as he pulled them down her legs, taking her underwear with them, leaving her stood before him as naked as the day she was born. So, what do you think, my sweet Zeno boy? She asked, feeling a little rush of confidence and giving him a little twirl to make sure he got an eyeful of her entirety. He looked absolutely stunned, like a starving man who just had a three-course banquet drop right out of the sky and into his lap. I never believed in angels, until this moment. He breathed and Grace laughed softly. The line was corny as hell, but from him, the words were like honey drizzled lovingly in her ear, and they were just the sort of thing that she'd hoped to hear. She stepped forward between his parted thighs and took his head in her hands, and he looked right up into her face. Tonight, my sweet sex, I'm going to show you how to be a man. I'm going to guide you and teach you how to give and how to receive. And if at any point you're uncomfortable with what's happening, or it's going faster than you would like, please tell me, okay? She said softly, and he nodded. For all of us, permission is key. Consent is the most beautiful thing in the universe because it shows on so many different aspects of love all at once. But the biggest one it shows is trust. It shows that you trust the one you are with and placing your most sacred possession in their hands and trusting them with it. Trusting them with yourself, she said softly and he nodded in understanding. 
and I want you to know now that you can revoke it at any time. Just because you gave me permission to start doesn't mean you have to give me permission to finish. If you do not like something, speak up and I'll stop right away. This thing of pure beauty belongs to you and only to you. No one else, not even your queen, has the right to take it from you. It is the one golden rule of Clan Mason, one of its golden pillars, and the one in every single soul in this place, myself included, will die to protect. I saw terrible things done to people on that world that I survived, things that made the death that they got afterwards seem like a sweet release. But having seen it, I understand why Jack and Tick forged their clan with this as one of their pillars. Because nothing is more beautiful than consent given and consent received, she said softly. Zex nodded his understanding. The same goes for you too, Grace. Please tell me if I do something that you do not like. I need to know, he said quickly, making her heart so that it showed that he'd got the message full and fully understood it. Part of him been to show him that it applied to both of them and now she knew the message had been received I will my sweet Zeno I promise you now I want to do something for you something that I've never done for a man in my entire life but for you I yearn to will you let me she asked without a second's hesitation he smiled and nodded which made her smile he was trusting her without even knowing what it was he, she wished to do. Thank you, Zex. Now, just relax. You're going to like this, I promise, she said gently, kissing the top of his head between his preds while hugging him to her chest. Slowly she began to kneel, but as soon as she did, she kissed down his body, trailing a path of kisses coming down his face, neck, chest and stomach and onto his pelvis. As she did, she gently pushed his thighs apart so she could kneel between them. And as she did, she got his fir her first look at his maleness, and her breath caught in her chest, and her heart jumped a few beats. Because just like the rest of him, it was truly divine. It was about eight inches long and about two thick. It was the same colour as the rest of him, all little swirls. It was not human-shaped in the least, covered in loads of little ridges and grooves. It tapered to a thin point that made it kind of look like a dart or a cone-shaped. It had this protective sheath at the base that it had hid inside of when not erect, and this meant that all the flesh that had come out to play was as sensitive as the tip of a human penis. It was all nerves, and that meant she was not only going to have to be extra gentle with him, but if done right, she was going to be able to teach him the true meaning of the word bliss. Under it, sat two large orbs about the size of tennis balls that were swollen and filled with his essence. A lewd thought came into her mind as she suddenly relished the thought of draining them and shrinking them by pulling every single drop that she could from him. She kissed along the top of the inside of his thigh and then moving over she kissed back along the inside of it because she knew how sensitive it was and she felt him twitch and heard him gasp. A shiny drip of precum bloomed the end of his tip and she smiled as she very gently scooped his heavy balls up into her hands and began gently caressing them making him squeak softly that feel nice sweetheart she asked as she planted two very precise kisses on the heavy smooth orbs yes he gasped looking down at his long body at her in such a way that it sent a shiver up her spine it's made her feel so feminine as well as powerful 
she was absolutely in charge of this beautiful being's pleasure and she was going to reward that trust with such joy. Good, just the way I wanted to, she said, and with that she began to kiss down the long, sensitive, nerve-packed flesh, making him hisp and gasp as she gently lifted his manhood with one hand while continuing to kiss along it. When she reached the tip, she used her tongue to flick the pea crumb drip right off the very end of it and pulled it into her mouth, relishing the sweet yet salty taste. Before slowly and lazily she drew her tongue over a sensitive exposed flesh, relishing both the taste and the heat. Zex cried out in both surprise and pleasure, which only got more intense for him as in one movement she swallowed as much as she could fit into her mouth. Zex gave a small cry as she swirled her tongue around on his super-sensitive flesh and began to suck on it powerfully. She was rather good that she, he was the one getting her very first blowjob, because it meant that she had a first to give to him, along with all the firsts that he would be giving to her tonight. Though technically he was her first alien, so there was that. The pleasure must have hit Zex like a sledgehammer to the senses because he was making gibbering, almost giggling noises, along with the hisses and screeches. His hands had been bunching and flexing on his thighs until he'd taken one and placed it on her head, feeling him delightly coil his fingers into her hair and grip tightly, but not painfully, as she worked for him. Given that this was the first time receiving any kind of pleasure, it didn't surprise her that he didn't exactly last long, especially as she was doing double duty, rubbing her tongue in those little V-shaped grooves. Then when she realised something was a little bit more sensitive about them, Grace, something's happening. Something's coming and I can't hold it, he wailed. But this made her suck even harder. And before he could do anything about it, he roared with ecstasy as a blinding flash in his head like his orgasm hit his brain like a gong that was struck with a hammer. Grace really had to fight here because involuntarily he was holding her head in place after jet after jet of sweet and salty semen shot right into her mouth making her fight to swallow it all before it filled her mouth to overflow. But she won out, and once the last drop exited him and slid down her throat, she pulled her head up, letting his manhood slip from between her lips with a wet and sticky pop. Zex was panting like he'd just run a marathon, and she kissed her way back up him to grip his beautiful and confused-looking young face. "'Did you like that, my sweetest of all hearts?' she purred softly, kissing each of his mandibles as they flexed, almost confused. I, I've never feel, felt anything like that, he stammered and she smiled. Did you enjoy it? she asked and he nodded breathlessly. And then he gripped her in a flash and kissed her deeply. Please, Grace, please teach me how to make you feel this way. Please, I need to know the secret, he said desperately. And she smiled and nodded. When she caught his breath, she guided him off the bed and switched places with him. Do you remember how I started? Nice and slow. There's no time limit, so you don't need to rush. Just enjoy me like I enjoyed you. She purred softly and he nodded. She began, he began to use his inner mouth to kiss and nip his way down her neck, sending electrical sparkles throughout her brain, especially when he came to her breast and decided to use his inner mouth to suck on her already blood-engorged and erect nipples, drawing each of the super-sensitive nubs into his mouth. Once he'd moved off those, he trailed slow kisses down her belly, just like she did, and kissed over the tops of her thighs and back up the insides, 
making to make use of that little incredible mouth of his to nip the sensitive nerve bands down there, making her gasp and squirm with delight. But no as much delight as what he did next. Zex, with that oh-so-clever little mind of his, seemed to realise that he would have some after lick rather than suck because of the way it was shaped. But with the Zeno in a mouth, it wasn't exactly designed for licking, really. So instead, he used his inner mouth to part a super-sensitive vulva and simply swirled it all around all over it, making sparks and flashes of pleasure dance in her head. He also used his mandibles to grip her hips and hold her in place while he did so, which let her grip his preds and stroke them. That's when he scored not one, but two bingos, one after the other. By hearing the little squeals of delight she was invertedly letting out when she, he brushed her clit from under its deep ebony hood, he figured out that it was something supremely sensitive. So taking his inner mouth, he caught hold of it, first nipping it to make her squeal, then sucking on it to make her mind go completely blank. But not as blank as when, upon noticing the little pulsing opening below it, he managed to decided to explore and pushed his inner mouth inside her. Grace instantly lost the ability to either speak or form cognitive thoughts or even sentences. The feeling of that long snake-like inner mouth of his burrowing its way into her molten core was pure heaven. She could feel his inner mouth nipping at her inner walls as it tunnelled in. But with her pure whiteout moment came when he actually decided to kiss her cervix. She had no idea what nonsense words would be spewed out of her mouth at this point, because to her ears, they all seemed to have floated off somewhere to do their own thing. It sounded like she was talking in fucking tongues. She had never experienced pleasure like it. It was like white-hot fire burning her every nerve ending. Before she even knew what the hell was happening, the most powerful orgasm she had ever experienced in her life wiped her mind clean like a goddamn tsunami of pure pleasure rushing throughout her brain. What was worse is she could actually feel his inner mouth in, still inside her, drinking her nectar straight from her cervix. Zex seemed to realise, probably through instinct, that she'd hit her limit, because he withdrew slowly, and as he did, he drew up just like she did, kissing her all the way up until he was looking right in her face. Did I do it right? he asked so sweetly and innocently that Grace couldn't help to try to drown him in kisses. Sweetheart, no person has ever made me feel a quarter of what you just did in one one act. I never would imagined angels would be Xeno-shaped, but I got me one. I'll be fucking damned if I'm ever giving him back, she panted. Zex smiled, obviously happy then that he'd pleased her. But now was the time for the main dish of his delicious masculine-shaped meal. She pulled him down onto the bed with him. As strong as he was, and as easily as could have resisted, he just allowed her to manoeuvre him until she was, he was perfectly placed with his own long body stretched down her bed and his pretty head resting on her pillows. She wasn't going to need it anyway because her pillow this night had a fucking heartbeat. She hopped up onto him and quickly straddled his belly. Leaning down, she showered him with more kisses again. I need you so badly, Zex. I need my man tonight. Please let me make you into a man and show you how much I love you with my truth. She pleaded softly. Zex looked at her and again nodded his consent and trust in one movement. So reaching behind her, Grace gently stroked his manhood back to life. Not that it needed much coaxing. 
and once it was at full mast, she lifted herself up and lined herself up with him, slowly letting her vulva swish over his tip, making him gasp, before in one slow, slick movement she fully impaled herself on him. Grace had never felt anything like it. It was like he was perfectly scalped by the gods to give her the most incredible pleasure ever. Every single bump, groove and ridge touched things inside her that no man ever had. He, he was big, but she was determined, and she pushed until she felt him stretch her and bottom out, his very tip pushing into the neck of her womb like a cork in the neck of a bottle. Grace cried out in pure pleasure, and so did he. She sat there for a moment as still as a stone with him buried inside her. Then once she was convinced that they were both ready, she began to move, slowly at first, drawing him out, and then crashing back down onto him. He began to squirm and writhe under her as her molten insides began to caress and squeeze him just in the right way. This filled her heart with the purest joy, knowing that she was giving him the same amount of pleasure that she was giving to her. Together, they found their perfect rhythm, with him pushing up as she pushed down before drawing away and repeating, both of them lost in a world of pure bliss and heaven. Time seemed to just stop existing as the pair lost themselves in one another. Grace had never felt anything like it. She'd always enjoyed those rare occasions where she got lucky enough to have sex with someone, but this was on a whole new other level. It suddenly became clear, this wasn't sex, this was making love. But like all good things, she felt the end rapidly approaching. It was like a nuclear reactor going critical in her womb. She felt it swelling and swelling and swelling until with another mind-warping crash, she came and just when she thought it couldn't get any better, she felt jet after jet of liquid heat hitting her insides, filling her womb to the brim, and she trembled, pleasure instantly turning her into a gibbering wreck that was being held in place by strong masculine hands, before those same hands laid her down flat on his chest. When they both came to, they were clinging together and looked at one another. I love you, Grace, was all Zex could summon the strength to say. I love you too, Zex, was all the strength she had the re strength to reply to him, before the pair of them, still locked together like perfect puzzle pieces, let sleep climb, claim them. Everyone in the hive was overjoyed for them. Abigail teased her endlessly about their being right. But then that's what daughters are there for, and what do they do if not tease the fuck out of their mothers, right? There had been a bit of a surprise for Grace when she'd woken up, and found Zex wasn't where she'd left him. In fact, when she did find him, he didn't even look like Zex anymore. He was now taller, broader, and with a massive crest on his head. It turned out that finding your true love triggered something in Xenos, especially the Xenos, and it started a metamorphosis. Zex, the Pred Alien, had gone, and his ex in his place was Zex, the Pred Alien Praetorian. Grace and Zex were as happy as they could be together, and thanks to Jack and Tick, got married under a star-filled sky before the entire clan. But there was yet more to come. With her newfound vigour in the form of her beloved husband, Grace doubled down on the work her team was doing, and before long, not one, but two discoveries were made from their work. The first was the secret to enhancing human genome. For Grace had figured out that attacking the problem from the wrong angle. 
she'd realised that xenobiology and genetics adapted to its host species. So going after the xeno DNA was the wrong play. So instead she went after the human DNA. And a full-on Eureka moment, she finally cracked it. So first came the genetic enhancement that not only quadrupled human life expectancies, but with that in play, now having their lifespans altered, the second one kind of just fell right into her lap like an apple from a tree. She finally cracked Zeno non-parasitic birth. This day was celebrated by the entire clan. She had done it. She had finally freed the Xenomorph people from a life based utterly on death to create it. It took a couple of months of tweaking and adjusting, but finally with the help of Zara and Cortez's hive, they got it. A xenomorph adaptability like no other. One that not only made them fertile and able to bear their own children, but to inseminate other races through simple, loving intercourse. No more facehuggers, no more queens bound to egg chambers, slaved to their own hives just to keep them alive. No more hearts broken by good Xenos stained with the knowledge that their life had cost an innocent being theirs. They were finally free. Grace remembered fondly those Xeno girls, going out on their first dates as full-blown women, among them her own beloved daughter. She remembered fixing the pretty pink bow on the top of her domed head as Abigail fretted over her dress before her boyfriend, Adam, came to pick her up from the hive. Adam was a charming young human man who had come from Earth during the new arrivals, and he'd met Abigail through his work with the Guardian Corps. He was a combat engineer, one of Seller Aleth's saviours, and the pair of them just clicked, and soon her hunt was complete. She'd caught him and the pair were officially a couple, but it didn't stop Abigail from fretting about impressing him. Soon enough, no, there was the patter and scamper of a lot of little new Zeno feet all over the hives, as Xenos became proud mothers and fathers, both in and out of their own species. And looking on proudly was Queen Citrus and King Yoshi, who had an ever-growing brood thanks to this new genetic miracle. In fact, Abigail soon had brothers and sisters thanks to it as well. Zex and Grace became parents to their own little brood. Their home was always so full of life, and Citrus had too. With the help of the entire hive expanded the place three times to counter the ever-growing family. Though, keeping ever-curious baby Zenos out of the labs, given the little buggers could climb on just about every surface, was a new challenge in itself. But as all good things must, after 400 short years, her time finally came for her, and Grace could smile up from her final bed as her huge family, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, all gathered to see the woman who had become known as the true queen of the three Xenos, the one that even the Xeno queens themselves looked up to, for without her, none of it would have been possible. Please, my angel, please don't leave me. I don't know what to do without you, Zex said softly, his heart breaking through his words. Grace gently stroked his face. It's not my choice to go, my heart's truest star. It's just the time that comes to us all. But know this. I will always be watching over you. Every one of our children. I'll always be there with you. She said, tapping his heart. It's time, Grace. A soft unknown voice said. And when she turned, she saw a very beautiful Yejuta woman stood with Jack Mason. And she realised that Pyra herself had come to collect her. She nodded and turned back to Zex. 
Goodbye, my love. I'll be waiting for you, my little king, she said, kissing him. And with that, her last breath escaped her, and she found herself standing there, watching as her gentle Praetorian howled his grief unashamedly out, clinging to her body. She so much very wanted to comfort him, to hug him and to tell him it was not the end, just a new beginning. But Jack got to her first. Don't worry, Grace, he's got his whole hive and his whole clan to support him. Well, get him through this, I swear it to you, he said, and she nodded. He is my greatest tre treasure, Jack Mason. You look after him, you hear me? She said, and Jack beamed and nodded at her. You have my word, he said, and then she turned to Pyre and nodded. I'm ready, she said, and Pyre smiled. Oh, I highly doubt that, but come along. We have something very important to show you, and something to discuss, she said, and with that a huge gateway appeared. And with one last kiss at top of the still sobbing Zex's head, she turned and stepped through. Beyond the gateway was a luscious green place, but it wasn't that that caught her eye. It was seemingly endless hive that dwarfed everything around it. It was like a planet-shaped hive dominating the seamless, endless landscape. What is this? Grace asked, turning, expecting to find Pyre. But instead she found a whole group of them, all like her, men and women alike. We are the Council of the Divine, and we've come to an agreement, Grace. No one in the entirety of the history of the universe has given as much to the Xenos as you. You freed them from their biological enslavement, and you made them into truly what they are today. When word spreads of this beyond the borders of Clan Mason's territory... There will be an uplifting, and Clan Mason will be right at its heart, and this is thanks to you. The Xenos are a created species, not born of the gods. So th they, other than a select few who have touched, been touched by us, will never have a place to go after death. And to us, this is unacceptable. So we've decided to make you the goddess of the Xenos. Grace the giver of life and freedom. The Grand Queen. Pyre said proudly. Grace absolutely lost the ability to speak, but before she could answer all of them they gathered around her in a circle, each placing a hand on her, and they began to chant in strange languages, and as they did she felt a power surging through her, felt like her very being was being rewritten from the ground up. And when they were done they stepped back, and Grace suddenly realised that she felt very, very different. She looked down and realised she'd been changed. She was dressed in a long white flowing gown, but it was more the clawed hands and long tail that gave away the differences. She was now half Xeno, Queen, half human. This is your domain now, Grace, and with it the responsibility of shaping it, ruling it and governing it. You decide who enters and who doesn't. It takes some getting used to, but you have many friends now. Come to us when you need advice. Oh, and there's a place on the council waiting for you too, if you earn it. Well, that's it. Good luck, Grand Queen, Pyre said, and before Grace could utter a single word, they were all gone, leaving her alone in her very own realm. Grace was truly stunned, but that's when she began to feel them, and to hear them. Billions upon billions of voices, all speaking to her mind all at once, and it took a moment to tune them all out and then to realise these were the voices of xenomorphs everywhere, not just the ones in Clan Mason, but all xenos, 
It was true. She was connected to them now, and them to her. She was a fucking goddess. She spent some time learning how to use a new power, and how to shape her world to her liking. She shaped the grand hive into a warm and welcoming place to all good-hearted Xenos. And it wasn't long before they started to begin to arriving. Xenos of a good heart, who were kind, loving and gentle. She welcomed them with open arms and granted a place in her hive. They settled in, and soon enough the endless halls were filled with life. The shrieks and hisses that filled her heart with joy could be heard always, as Xenos ran around exploring their new paradise and relishing this kingdom of love and freedom. But those with cold hearts, who relished the killing, the destroying, she punished. It was hard at first, but once she'd gotten a glimpse of their crimes, it got a hell of a lot easier to send them into the endless void, a key to which she'd gained from Pyre. Soon word began to spread among Xenos everywhere, once she'd reached out and planted the seed in their minds. That's when it happened. The day came and a newcomer presented himself before her for judgment, and she found herself looking into the most beautiful face she'd ever seen. Her little king had come home. Grace? Zex exclaimed upon seeing her in his new form for the first time. She resisted the urge to visit him and to reveal her new form to him, instead deciding to keep it a secret, and simply watching over him and her ever-growing family instead, as hard as it was. It's me, my little king. She said, and instantly Vex, his face creased and pure emotion flowed from him as he felt his whole heart becoming whole again. The pair flew together and clung together, sobbing their hearts out and the joy of seeing one another again burned in them both. But not only that, but her joy instantly became the joy of the whole endless hive, the Xenos flocking to see their new king and to praise him for loving grace so much that he'd driven her to touch the hearts of the gods that had given them a place to go to after their life was done, and now a grand queen of their own. Today, all Zeno's spirits rejoiced, for today was the day that Grace's world, love, heart and kingdom, finally became whole again. Their grand queen was whole again, and their happiness was restored, and they all felt it. The joy was back. Her joy was back. Her zex was back. And her love was whole again. And now the Xeno people had two guardians to watch over them. A grand king and a grand queen, who for all time would never be separated ever again. The end. So that was chapter 8 of Chronicles, ladies and gentlemen. And technically that's the last one. The only one that actually comes after that is the Freedom Day chapter. But with that one, I'm going to hold on to that one and probably do it round about Christmas. Maybe if I do a new Christmas chapter this year, I might do them both together. But it'll feel a little bit out of place to do a random Christmas chapter in the middle of April or something like that. So I think I'll hang on to that one for the time being. Next week, well, if I'm not moving, that is, because I'm probably going to be moving home next week. So there may not be a chapter this coming weekend. So... If I do go radio silence, you obviously know what happened. Don't panic. Everything will get back on track as soon as I can figure out how to get the internet and everything up and running in the new place. So, you know, no worries there. But as soon as I am re-established, I'm going to start running Hybrid Wars. So the new podcast will be running Radiance and Hybrid Wars simultaneously. So, with that all done, 
just left for me to say, I hope to see you all next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all soon. Take care.